You're listening to Startups for Good, where we explore high growth and high values ventures. I am your host, Miles Lassiter, co-founder and CEO of Purpose Built, a venture studio focused on human potential. Listen to our podcast to hear stories of entrepreneurs. Listen to be inspired to be a founder or to work for a startup. Listen to be part of a community that believes startups can be a force for good. On today's episode of Startups for Good, I speak with Ashke Krishnaya. He describes himself as millennial immigrant, Uber driver turned Techstars fintech startup founder at Line Financial. He was previously product leader at PayPal with 75 consumer fintech patent applications. Dad, husband, brother, proud son of parents who came from extreme poverty, worked hard to give us a great education, tolerant values and culture. We talk about the company, the product, and how it works. We talk about what motivates him and the growth of the company. We talk about how to include the voice of the customer inside the company and do that in a systematic way, and a bunch more stuff. So please stay tuned. Hi, uh, my name is Akshay Krishnaya. I'm the founder and CEO of Line. Line is a public benefit corporation. We are incorporated of Delaware, headquartered in San Francisco. We are uh, modern. Uh, inclusive financial network uh, that is rebuilding the exclusionary and predatory financial systems that have kept millions of Americans back from reaching their true potential and breaking out of uh, cycles of debt and poverty. So you say the financial system is exclusionary. Can you explain what that means? The financial system, when it when it got started, was built most mostly for people with money, right, uh, to help them optimize their finances, to efficiently do business, basically. And as time has progressed, it, it, it has mostly become a bunch of islands that don't talk to each other very well. And by virtue of that, uh, a system that is designed that way is, is, is inefficient, unfortunately, and expensive to work with. Obviously, the top 20% use products that actually make it run credit cards, mortgages, auto loans, you name it. But the bottom 40% that don't help it thrive, you know, they got to pay a fee because the system is expensive. And because it was built top down and not bottom up, not for the lowest common denominator, you know, it, it, it's just a trickle down version and being very expensive to work with for the bottom 40%. That's what we mean by exclusionary. So I'll give you an illustrative example. Um, there are a lot of new products out there. Those products uh, will allow you to access your paycheck ahead of time so that you, know, you don't have to wait 15 days or 30 days. But they expect you to earn the same paycheck from the same employer for the same amount at the same time. Uh, only then they will support you. If 50% of the US workforce are women, 75% of these women are parents. They have caretaking responsibilities. 60% of them don't get paid leaves. That means multiple times in, in a year, sometimes multiple times a month, they have to take unpaid leaves. By virtue of this, their income, right, unbeknownst to them and for of no fault of their own, because of lack of corporate policy and public policy becomes lumpy. 
even though they work full time, even though they're putting in probably as many hours as everyone else. And so for, for just, just for those reasons, they're mistreated. They're, they cannot access innovative services. And I'm just talking about the most modern tools available today. Now, if you go back to even older tools, the situation gets even worse, right? So that's just one illustrative example of how it's exclusionary. And, and it's exclusionary because it's built top down with the view of the world top down, not, not bottom up. Because if it was built bottom up, then while building, people would have looked at these kinds of scenarios and said, oh, you know what? The solution that we are building may not work in this scenario or this other scenario where people at the bottom 40% suffer and are challenged every single day. So you're saying that the underwriting model that other people use, other companies use, is based on an assumption that you have the same paycheck every time. I didn't know that. Um, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, you, my spreading word, uh, words in my mouth. I, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm, what I'm saying is when they, when they built it, they've, they, they have a view of the world and the view is top down. And so they probably did not even see this. They had their blinders. They did not even see the, you know, the, the many, many nuances of, of the bottom 40%. I see. Uh, and, and so so when they attempted to build a solution, they thought they were building the world's greatest solution. But unfortunately, that's not the case. So how are you doing it differently? Well, uh, as, as someone who comes, who was, who was raised by my mom and her sisters who were all working women and who are parents and who have run through these challenges and who grew up poor and whose parents came from extreme poverty. This is something that I have seen and I've grown around all, all life. So for me, when I started off uh, my journey online, you know, these, these are some of the things that, that I had in mind, like, okay, what, what about these kinds of scenarios? What about, you know, how, how, how are people at the bottom 40% uh, how are we going to solve for situations that they run into every day was, was one of the first questions. We had. It was not an afterthought. It was not like, okay, let's, let's focus on the 80%. Let's ignore the 20%, which is okay, but which 80% and, you know, is it really, really focusing on the 80% or no, you know, it was not a challenge for us because very familiar grounds for us. So how does the product work? You download the mobile application on the iOS or Android app store. You, you have a bank account. You get started with your bank account. You link your bank account. We today, uh, you know, we're a tiny startup still. So we can only serve, we, we can only do a little bit. And so we are currently serving only people with bank accounts, which is the underbank or bank. So you link your bank account. When you link your bank account, we tell you, uh, we ask you a bunch of questions so we can identify who you are, know for a fact that it is you who is already, who's providing all of this information. And then in under two minutes, we will show you plans available on our app for you. You can pick a plan that works for you. There's no fine print. So you can see what services are available as part of this subscription. And if you like what you see, then we customize that plan to your financial life. What I mean by that is, we have three plans, $1.97, $9.97, $12.97. And you link your bank account and verify who you are. We will show you which plans are available to you. Let's say the $1.97 plan is available to you, which is our most popular plan. We will tell you that, 
hey, uh, you know, you get credit monitoring as part of this, automated budgets as part of this. We'll send you smart notification. We will do overdraft protection. You can save a little bit as part of this. And if you are ever in an emer- financial emergency, then you can tap into our community funds up to $100 for the, to take care of that emergency. And when that emergency is over, where we you know, auto-detect it by seeing that, okay, you have funds coming into your account, then it'll automatically get refilled and available for future emergencies. So let's say you select that plan and you're like, okay, I, I, li- I like this. Then we show you how it would work for you. So by looking at your bank transactions, we know how you know money is coming into your account and how you're spending that money. So based on that, we'll tell you like if if you ever took if you ever tapped into those emergency line of funds for a financial emergency, what would exactly happen? So we would say that you know, look, uh, we see that you know you earn on HC and you get child credit and you get VA benefits. These come at these these times, and we we obviously know that you know your income fluctuates. So I'll say plus or minus these few days is when we anticipate this coming. So let's say you took out uh, or, or you you tapped into the fire, uh, emergency line on April 6th and we see that you know uh, funds in your account arrive typically on April 12th, April 19th and April 27th then you know first you you pay the subscription, you start using the app, let's say you took out funds on April 6th and funds came some funds came into your account on April 12th then your right line fully or partially gets refilled on April 12th, then April 19th, then April 27th automatically. And if you ever need that to not happen, just reach out to us and then, you know, we can move those dates around. But otherwise, that's how it would work. So a person can see a simulation of how it would work for their financial life specifically. And we do this for every single individual. After seeing that, if you like what you see, you basically link your debit card, subscribe, and start using the product. So that's how it works. Uh, long-winded, but uh, you know, I wanted to give you all the details. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And it's been really popular. You're growing really quickly, right? Uh, pretty quickly, yeah. Are you able to share any numbers? I mean, uh, we've been growing. Our registrations have been growing 100% month on month. People have been... Paying subscribers have been growing 40% month on month. The revenue has been growing 40% month on month. We we came out of stealth last July and we were, uh, our annual recurring revenue was, was about $50,000. In a little over six months, we have, we have gone from there to annual recurring revenue of uh, $7 million. So that's how fast uh, we have grown. It's still work to do. So you've really struck a nerve. Lots of people want this. Congratulations. Thank, uh, thank you. Uh, I, 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 would, uh, I would say a lot of people need this. We, we spent a lot of time in the weeds before we came out of stealth so that we understand every nuance. And that's how we ended where we ended. The results are showing. And previous to this, you were at PayPal. Anything you learned there that's helped you be successful? Yeah. So prior to this, I started off my journey at PayPal, actually at eBay, which owned PayPal. And I was there when eBay and PayPal split and then PayPal became its own thing. Spent five years there. Started off on the retail lab side. I, I created and ran retail labs for PayPal, eBay. 
and when eBay and PayPal split, we we rolled into uh, what was then Hardware Labs to become Research Labs and worked on products there. During that time, built several products, uh, very consumer-centric uh, approach to innovating and building products that led to over 75 patent publications within PayPal through my team. And got the opportunity to really spend time in the weeds of financial ecosystem. What's happening? How does money movement happen? What are the various parties uh, involved? And why does it work the way it works? And what could be done to improve it? And what tools are available uh, to make that happen? And what, what are the right places to strike uh, if you wanted to create change? So it was a great learning experience, five years. Allowed me to spend time learning about risk, fraud, credit, the networks, and, and so on, so that I get a good grasp of the fundamentals of the financial ecosystem. 75 patents. That's amazing. Uh, well, yeah, you know, uh, PayPal and eBay split. So uh, I think PayPal was down and in terms of IP, and we needed to really quickly build our IP and I, I was working closely when we created Retail Labs, working very closely with uh, the Help Secure IP. And when, when PayPal and eBay split, you know, PayPal had to quickly ramp up their IP portfolio. And they were like, who do we go to? And they're like, oh, let's go to Akshay and his team. And we already had the impetus to go look for cracks in the system and see if come up with innovations to fix those. And it just coincided with what happened with PayPal and eBay and all of that just ended up doing what it did. <laughs> What's an example of a patent? This is confidential. So I, I think I keep it very, very high level, but think of a technology where you could drop the technology into any system. Let's say you, one of the things that people never forget, they'll forget their wallets, they'll forget their keys but they won't forget their car keys because they're using their car to move around, right? You can start your car if you forget your car keys. It's one thing that people never forget. So what if you wanted to pay with your car keys, right? Technology like that, uh, right? Wherein the car key manufacturer, the car OEM manufacturer, never ever had to be a payments company, never had to even learn uh, payments or do the needful. They just drop in piece of technology and all of a sudden, all car keys become wallets and, and can be used for payments. And that's just one example of many things that we are doing. Or if there's a three-party system where you are on a social network and you see an advertisement and within the advertisement, you want to make a purchase, but you didn't want your financial information to go to the social network. You didn't want your financial information to go to the vendor and you wanted the flexibility and choice of using whatever you wanted to make the payment while ensuring that you know your information is secure but you're able to conveniently complete the transaction right there you saw it you clicked you paid and you wanted to know everything's secure there's a the machinations of that uh, there's a lot that happens behind the scenes that's that's one technology that my team and i build wow do you think that the intellectual property game is one that is really won and played by large companies or should startups like yours be filing patents as well? I think it's not a bad idea. 
to, to file patents and protect your intellectual property. Maybe you do it at a, at a point in your journey, a startup journey, a little later when you're, you have the relevant funds. But I think it's, it's, it's not a bad idea to have it. Uh, it, it takes effort. It also lets you put pen on paper and structure it in a way. And then you, you, will, you will be forced to demonstrate how uniquely it is different. And so you'll have to dig into the nuances because there might be existing intellectual property that you may, your, your, whatever solution you're building might, might overlap with. And all of that is, is, is not, not a bad thing. It would also allow you to work, work in, a, in a practical way. Other people who might want to use your technology and may have the means more than you uh, or can take your technology to the next level. So it, 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 it provides the relevant channel. But of course, you know, if, uh, as long as it's not used in an abusive way, not used purely for you know, ensuring others don't build stuff, I think, I think it's not a bad thing. Do you, think, do you think it's overall a good thing for innovation, the way our patent system works? 100%. Uh, I don't know if, if the way our patent system works is a good thing, but I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. I, I, I'm, I'm sure there's an opportunity to do it better. And getting back to the company line, you recently announced a big equity and debt raise Congratulations on that. Any advice for others who are raising in this market? I mean, um, if, you're, if you have your fundamentals right, you are building a business with the right fundamentals, then you know, you're building a company that can weather any storm and is built for all seasons. That's, that's, that's what I would say. Uh, you know, when, we, when we were very early and you know, we had to still prove out who we were, we had to demonstrate it based on metrics. We were pushed against the wall. A lot of people told us, well, you know, man, you spend too much time on the fundamentals. Just tell a story. Story is what people believe in. And, and yes, there is, there is some element of truth to that. But, you know, but that has to be backed with the fundamentals. And, and we, 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 we got a lot of advice saying that, ah, so you, you know, you're, you, you, you're, you're spending too much time on these things. Just, just, you know, uh, tell a good story and, and uh, raise money. That's what. That's how you raise money. But now the market's turned. What do you do now? Nobody wants to hear your story. They want to. They want to see the fundamentals. And because we stuck to our fundamentals, it allowed us to do uh, what we are doing, and it and it put us in a very strong position despite market conditions. We do. We do study the market, but we don't build. Uh, we are not building a company, or we're not making changes based on market conditions. We are dead focused on our customers and what is a priority for them. What is the most practical way to deliver solutions to meet their most acute financial needs, the bottom 40%. And we just stuck to that, stayed focused on that. And over time it worked. So I would say, you know, fundamentals. Fundamentals matter in anything that you do in life. And that is true of business as well. So stick to, stick to the fundamentals. How do you keep the team focused on those fundamentals? By, by aligning the entire team and their focus on our customer, right? And storms come, storms go. And we have tools, frameworks in place to address those. And 
it's the responsibility me and the leaders responsibility to take care of that rest of us you know uh, rest of the team please focus on customer and so every conversation we do all hand slash town hall twice a week because we are, we are a remote first company we have people all around the world and we do it and so it's a couple of hours and all of our conversations are around the customer what's happening to the customer why did the customer feel this way if if, if there was a unique new pain that the customer raised something did not work for them all of our conversations are around the customer how can we do this better for the customer how can we improve the experience for the customer many customers are feeling a specific pain why is why are they feeling the pain you know can we can we look under the hood see what's going on all customer conversations across all departments finance engineering risk credit design product across organizations everyone is talking about just one thing our customer and where they are today what are the what what is it that they are facing how 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 are they experiencing life and what can we do better and uh, what else is on the horizon and that horizon is defined by their uh, acute uh, financial needs uh, in 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 a prioritized fashion with so many customers who are using your app through a mobile mobile phone how do you keep in touch with them and know what's going well and what they would want changed? We we probably the only app, a fintech app out there, irrespective of size, that has a 24-7 customer support organization that is all built in-house, not outsourced, not uh, run by a third party, 100% in-house. And so we our ears are to the ground. And, and this is done on purpose. I observed how PayPal had done it. And I think, uh, you know, a lot is not said about it, but I think a great deal of success of PayPal is owed to their customer support organization, which is based out of Omaha, which, which I have visited. And I have friends who started there as customer support representatives being paid federal minimum wages. And today are directors, senior directors, senior managers at PayPal. And so that culture that, you know, they grew up on the front lines, you know, with their ears to the ground, talking to customers on a daily basis, and then became leaders within the organization is, is something that I feel has worked out really well uh, for PayPal. And I wanted to do the same uh, at Line. And uh, that's what we have chosen to do. It is also a testimony to uh, our customers who work 24 seven. Uh, these are our warehouse workers. Uh, these are people who get to the airport first so that when you are taking that early morning flight, you get your coffee and your bagels. These are the people uh, who clean the streets at the middle of the night, uh, unbeknownst to you, because when you wake up, you see the streets are super spick and span. And so we wanted to be there for them at any time during the day or night. Uh, if they ran into a challenge, uh, they should be able to just click a button, call someone or talk to someone. And so we built that organization. In the early days, I spent a ton of time in, in that organization. And so we talk to customers on a daily basis. And now the team talks to the customers on a daily basis. And we discuss what the customers are telling us. We have wise of, a, wise of the customer. One of the topics, two times a week, and that is discussed across the organization. And this, this meeting is not just for leaders. On a rotational basis, we have the entire customer support organization that comes, that tells us, the pain our customers are facing, 
what they are hearing and seeing on a daily basis and they push us to do better without prejudice like just because they are a customer support person uh, they're treated exactly the same as uh, our vp of risk or our cto or our head of product they come in and they they represent the customer and emphatically tell us what customers need what they are facing and educate us everybody learns about it on that uh, two times a week and then we go back and we build solutions when our engineers are thinking about how do i solve this problem they are pushed to think about it from the customer's point of view when product is designing a specific screen they they are reminded because they are all part of those conversations two times a week that okay you know i remember the, the ticket that one of the customers opened and if i if i create this new screen i have to ensure that you know it addresses this thing and so that's what allows us to do what we do that's great really frequent feedback from the customers in a systematic way coming to everyone in the company i know that when we were running my first company pentech we would have as many people as possible trained to talk to customers and help them in the service call center on the inbound calls. And we learned so much and helped inform so many key decisions when people had actually spent time talking to customers on a regular basis. Yep. Now, being a financial company and lending as part of your offering, the money that you raise is both the cash that you need to keep the company going to pay your own expenses, but it's also the product, the inventory by which you are uh, providing your product to customers. How do you think about managing that? Do you, do you keep those as separate pools of money? Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? So uh, for the record, we don't lend. Line is not a lender. We don't provide credit. We don't provide loans. We have app subscription. You subscribe to the app and the app has various features, one of which is if you are ever in a, in a financial emergency, you can tap into our, our community pool of funds. And as a benefit for being a member of this community, you can access those. Uh, there are community guidelines, so we can help as many people as possible. And so all we ask is you follow those community guidelines. There's no interest to it. There are no credit checks performed. You, you are not required to demonstrate that you get the, the same paycheck from the same employer for the same amount at the same time. You could be someone whose financial life is managed as a combination of some side gig that you're doing and government benefits that you get. You could be a mom who is unable to do uh, more than uh, she's doing right now because you, know, you have three kids and because of that, your, your abilities are limited uh, to go and do uh, earn earn uh, uh, extra funds, and but but you do get child credit uh, from the government, and it doesn't matter. So we we you know we don't uh, discriminate or differentiate uh, any of those. So irrespective of who you are, we will support you um, as long as you're a you know this community is for working professionals. But you don't need to. Uh, there's no bias towards a type of working professional, if you will. And so you can tap into those emergency funds. And as long as you follow those guidelines, you're good. It's not due on payday. It's not earned wage access. It's not a cash advance. Because Let's say you're someone with fluctuating income and you this payday, you never got paid. There are no penalties. There are no late fees. As long as you're maintaining your 
membership to the community, you're, you 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 know you can you can extend it uh, further. And so we don't just want to for, for the record. I want to state that what we do is not lending. Uh, we don't provide a loan. So just want to clarify that. Regarding the pool of funds, of course, you know we have raised uh, equity and debt, which are separate. Yeah, it's the debt portion that gets tapped into for these emergency funds that we provide to our community members. And uh, the funds that we have raised as part of the equity raise, um, that is what we use for operational purposes. I understand. And do you manage fraud or how do you manage fraud with, with uh, tapping into those community funds so that people are following those guidelines and not, not abusing that situation? So we, we, you know, having worked at PayPal, uh, which is probably one of the best risk systems in the world, they provide seller protection and buyer protection. And, uh, you know, in the early days when they started off, they were, they were two unknown entities. So they had to build tools to mitigate risk on both sides. You know, the, the, the buyer person using PayPal to purchase something online, you know, if the person is not identified accurately, then it, that could be a fraudster. And, or the buyer could be a, a genuine individual, but the, the online merchant where they were looking to spend money and purchase a product that merchant themselves could be, have been a fraudster. And so people had to build innovative solutions, having worked with the team and having spent a ton of time there, you know, it's rubbed off on us and we have used similar methods to build our own risk fraud mitigation systems. We use a combination of data and technology to achieve that. And then we work with a lot of partners as well that, that allow us to ensure that we are protecting the business as well as protecting our users. Wonderful. As you've been building your team, how does the mission of the organization feed into your recruiting efforts? A lot, I would say, unexpectedly. Like, uh, you know, we, we are obviously... Uh, Maybe we should, but we don't use our mission as a tool to hire. But uh, we talk about our mission all the time, like like you know, like we are doing today uh, during this conversation. I've had the good fortune of sharing uh, our mission, vision, and thoughts with people of the community, uh, such as yourself, uh, Miles. And that's out there, and uh, somehow it has reached uh, uh, several people, and so when they see that. They want to do something, you know, they've spent a good amount of time in, in, in doing whatever they were doing. And now they want to use what they have learned to do something good, to create a social impact. And so they come to us and they're like, hey, you know, I'd like to be part of this journey. And I, I, I read about you guys. I, I watched a podcast. I watched an interview and it really moved me. And, uh, you know, uh, I came from a similar background and I want to, I, you know, I want to join this uh, organization and uh, give back to my community or uh, align myself with this mission. So it, 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 it's worked out well for us. And we're we are glad that you know, people are joining us for those reasons. And when you say you don't, you don't bring mission into it, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is, you know, we, we, we are not actively using that as a tool to recruit. You know, we, we obviously have needs. Uh, we're always looking for good people. And we post it out there, but when when people uh, learn about you know the opportunities outline and, and they do a background research on it, they learn about our mission. And people who apply, they are basically applying for the mission. So we never said like, hey, come join, 
you know, this, this is the mission we are on. I think we should do more of it. People are joining for the mission and the vision that we have for society. And is it similar on the investor side? I would say so. Uh, it, it's a combination. We ourselves seek out investors who we feel are aligned with our mission and vision. Like in our previous round, we were oversubscribed by $3 million. And uh, we didn't take those. Uh, we left it on the table. And we picked and chose carefully investors who were aligned with our mission or you know, demonstrated that they, they wanted to create the kind of impact uh, the society that we are uh, looking to create. Wonderful. Any tips for aspiring entrepreneurs? Be purposeful in whatever you do. That's my one feedback. Uh, I think that is what has uh, allowed us to do what we are doing, allowed me uh, as an individual to get to where I have gotten. Be purposeful. Have a purpose behind anything that you do. That's what I would say, aspiring entrepreneurs. The other thing that I would say is, you know, often uh, I run into folks who are, who have an idea, uh, not a bad thing, and are trying to build, they're trying to find, they're trying to take a problem and squeeze it into that idea rather than finding a problem and then understanding who the customer is, what is that problem, what are, how are they solving the problem today, and then figuring out or thinking, okay, how could this be done better? And, you know, and, and then approaching it that way. And, and I would say the latter is better than the former. That's what my experience has taught me. Be purposeful and look for problems. There are several, several problems right around you, right? And, you know, if you go down the path of identifying problems and trying to solve them, you will be on, on the right path. Well, thank you for that advice. And thank you for coming on Startups for Good. It's been wonderful to have you. Thank you, Miles. Thank you for the opportunity. Always great to talk to you. Take care. Take care. Bye. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast player. And please give us a rating and review. Startups for Good is brought to you by Purpose Built, a venture studio focused on human potential. If you're inspired today and want to reach out, please visit our website, purposebuilt.vc. Thank you.